0: To the may 11th edition of pff forecast eric's still here and i'm doing the cold open here because we are joined uh in the stead of george shahuri by senior data scientist at pff ben brown um george's is, is off uh in a different country visiting his girlfriend uh who he hasn't seen in a while and so as we can all relate to that uh we welcome ben ben how's it going
1: it, it, it's going, it's going well. I know I got big shoes to fill with George, you know, galvanting around Europe, but uh, I'm ready and prepared to make, you know, my initial entry into uh, the PFF forecast. I've been waiting for this day. So looking forward to it.
0: All right. And with that, let's rock. Well, look at cold open. I, I got to say, it extended a little bit into you know. George doesn't normally let me talk. I am probably of the two of us the more generous of the two. Uh, right. So, so that certainly uh, was out there. Uh, we do miss George. We were we are happy for him though, as he gets some time. Uh, some I don't even think he's taking time off. To be quite honest with you, right. uh, he's a very disciplined guy, as everybody that knows and has listened to the show knows. He's far more disciplined than me. Uh, in almost everything, but I will tell you, uh, much like me, he struggles to take uh, even a moment off of work. So I'm sure uh, he, he's working uh, while, while we uh, are without him here. But look, what I really love here, let's just introduce the audience to you for a second. So you joined PFF 2016, part-time, a lot like me. Um, you, you and I started writing a college football betting column in 2018. Um, and then uh, you took the plunge in 2020 during the coronavirus pandemic right. uh, and joined us full time. Uh, you've since been uh, moved to senior data scientists uh, in our group. Um, a a long time veteran. You've been betting a lot longer than me. Uh, you are the, the my infamous betting partner uh, that I talk about on this show. And uh, you are a person who has won. Uh, a significant amount of money at DFS, college DFS and things like that. So uh, I'm delighted that you're on here as one of my best friends, but also a great colleague. Uh, and, and what I like the most here, Ben, is now that George is in here, I can talk about some of the things I like that he finds nauseating. So this podcast, right. we're going we're to hit a little bit of college football. We're, we're going to dabble. I know uh, Stone Rochelle you uh, who directs podcasts with give up, doesn't want us talking about USFL. We're going to talk a little bit about USFL, just a little bit. Uh, and then obviously go over some NFL stuff. Um, ben, uh, you know, what? I, it, right now, it seems like the sports, it's not the sports of this. But for us with football, it feels like it, but there's really a lot going on.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I was, you know, listening to the forecast on Sunday, kind of sweating some of my own bets and things like that. I mean, we had, you know, the Minnesota Wild, who we both originate from Minnesota, so you get some uh, decent opportunities to bet on things with that. But I think if it was, you know, my own... Uh, if if, it, if this could podcast go in any one direction for me personally, I would probably talk, you know, 45 to 15 minutes about the WNBA. I do think it has been a pretty exciting start to that season. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, USFL, uh, we got college football futures like you mentioned as well. The NFL schedule comes out tomorrow and I do think that kind of dictates a little bit, uh, for how to approach teams, both in, you know, the futures market and some of these, you know, initial lines that we're going to get set on. So, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting times I would say for, uh, you know, a sports better in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's been, it's been a, a lot of, yeah, there's been a lot going on here. Um, and, and I think some of it, you know, and then again, like we're all, we all have our secondary sports. I know George bets golf, he bets uh, F1 uh, and things like that. Um, you know, for me, the one that I think is is really going to grow for us at PFF over the next, you know, few years, and obviously, you know, we've had PFF college green line since 2019, um, It is is college football. And, you know, lucky for us, and, you know, I, I've made a lot of allusions to this sort of on the... Uh, on the internet, so over the past few days, uh, our our friend Anthony Tresh, our colleague Anthony Tresh, has done a, a, a great job, uh, sort of getting this uh, up here for us as far as like knowing who the quarterbacks are, uh, knowing some of the realignment. Now, when I when I heard about the realignments early, you know, last year, I was nervous because it, it felt like there was going to be a lot to do. Ultimately, there wasn't that much to do, um, but. Uh, you know, we ended up, you know, sort of putting out our, our our simulation. Ben Ben tweeted out, you know, sort of like the contenders, kind of like the middle contenders, where I think we would have had Georgia last year uh, before they emerged as an eight to one underdog to win the college football playoff. And then beneath that tranche, you have a bunch of like, you know, a lot of shit's got to go right for this to work. For the PFF forecast: Look, George isn't here. Let, let's say nice things about him while he's gone, please. Okay. Uh, but we want to hear from you on how to make this podcast better heading into next season. Uh, should we be doing, you know, look-ahead lines, uh, you know, for the next week on the Wednesday of? Do we want to get that degenerate? Uh, do we, uh, you know, do you want to eliminate me uh, I- entirely? Um, yes or no? Uh, the link is in the description. Uh, there's a listener survey here. It takes less than five minutes. We like your feedback. Uh, we get it all the time. Uh, and we really do enjoy all of you that listen to the show, we really appreciate you, uh, and we'd like to make the experience for you better. Um, ben, what is your first takeaway when you look at the college football sort of season, but also just like, you know, the simulation and, and, and sort of what we have going for us uh, in, over the next like uh, few months?
1: Yeah, definitely. I do think, you know, my big initial takeaway is just how far ahead Georgia and Alabama look than everybody else. I know we probably say this every year about Alabama specifically, but uh, they are significantly better in our ELO rankings than uh, every other team outside of outside of Georgia. I think they're like 100 points better than Ohio State right now. So from that perspective, this really is like a, a two-team race. I know it's you know the college football playoff. We're going to have four teams in it, but right now there are probably two leg- legitimate contenders, and then there's probably you know twenty or so teams that have uh, a ton of question marks that need to be answered uh, in order to potentially compete with those top two teams. So I do think that uh, this the gap between those two I think is probably the most drastic that we've seen in quite some time, given you know some of our modeling and things like that. But um, it's 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 going to be interesting i do think there's a lot of ways to potentially take advantage of it uh from a sports betting perspective we have gotten a number of uh, markets already offered i would say probably earlier than we have in years past with WinBet, you know dropping their win totals i think FanDuel has uh not only division futures but uh intra-division futures as well available uh so there's you know a number of spots that we are at least a little bit off market uh in comparison to the betting market i do think that's you know spots where we can definitely take advantage of
0: yeah, and I, you know, every once in a while, when I do this exercise, I mean, the I think that the biggest, you know, the biggest difficulty is is not the win totals. I mean, if you you can sort of, we talked about this. I talked about this with George. I talked about this with you and Kendall on the PFF betting podcast. the The hard part isn't so much, you know, coming up with the right power ranking. I like you can you can rig the system to sort of use past information, returning uh starters returning snaps, which by the way, returning starters and returning snaps, I don't think is gonna have the signal that it used to have. Thing. Yeah. Because the the to lack transfer. of returning snaps now is, is not necessarily due to players graduating and moving on. It, right. it's due to transfer portal stuff. Because if you look at like a team like USC, returning snaps is not going to be a signal as to how good USC is right like right. It, because they got Caleb Williams, they got other, other players uh, you know, uh, they have Lincoln Riley and, and, you know, that that's where one team, for example, I think we're too low on. But, you know, you could do all that and come up with a power rating. The hard part is coming up with what the committee, what you think the committee is going to do. Because we only have back in 2014, so now, you know, that's eight seasons and one of them was a pandemic season, so you really don't know. You know, we we bowed out of simulating NFL, yeah, the college football season in 20. 20 because of the pandemic and the lack of sort of uniformity there. But, you know, it's really like trying to configure sort of what would happen in certain circumstances. Like take last year, Alabama was really like one drive away against Auburn away from not even being in anywhere close Playoff, right. to, to making the playoffs. What if they go into, into Atlanta as a two-loss team and beats Georgia soundly the way that they did in the SC title game. Do they make the college football playoff? Because my guess would have been yes. But then we have to tear up the entire fake voting system we put into the simulation, right. right? And so right. that to me, it's to me that's where you know I do compare our results to the market and see like, okay, where are we falling? Like where? What teams are we underestimating? What teams are we overestimating? Where is it to me in my opinion? Uh, you know, acceptable to be doing this, and that's where we are now. Like, I think we're a little. I think the market, you know, is painting. You know, Alabama two to one, basically across everywhere. Georgia is either second or third favorite, depending upon which book you look at on DraftKings. They're three to one. Um, I know on BetOnline, there's some that more like nine to two. Um, Ohio State five to one, uh, and then after that's Clemson twelve to one, USC twenty five to one. Twenty-five to one, I mean, for folks, that's one divided by twenty-six, if you want to follow along at home. That's about a four percent chance. So does that seem high? I think that seems high. Um, but it's also not like, you know, it, it's also not saying the team's a 10 to one, you know, team as well. Yeah. So it, it's really tricky. Um, but I do think we have the top teams, right? I mean, we have Alabama, uh, Georgia, Ohio State is the three top ones. We're a little lower on Ohio State than the market.
1: A little bit, a little bit. And I do, I do agree with you. I know you kind of tweeted this out as well, but USC uh, is another one. And, and I'm glad you touched on this a little bit because I would say, you know, first starting out kind of building both the NFL and college football models, some of the things... Uh, we probably incorporated. I think you. I think a lot of people just uh, assume there's kind of this like seamless transition between NFL modeling and college football modeling and all these other things. Uh, so a lot of like the continuity aspects of uh, is is the head coach still in place? Is the offensive coordinator still in place? Is the defensive coordinator, quarterback, those sorts of things? Like a lot of that is not necessarily getting completely thrown out the window at the college football level, but it definitely seems to be uh, at least a more difficult problem to model or solve given uh, you know, the, 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 the situations that have been changing so quickly with coaching and with transfer portals and everything else, uh, kind of, you know, completely changing the makeup of a team from one year to the next. So I do agree with you that, you know, modeling or building some of these power rankings out, especially early on in this process, uh, has definitely evolved. And I do think that's kind of how you have to stay ahead of the curve, but I think USC, uh, is a team that is kind of off market, uh, at, different books, right? Like if you're looking at DraftKings, they're 25 to 1. Uh, I saw them at 40 to 1 on Caesars here earlier today as well. So there is some decent pricing discrepancies even on these uh, college football championship odds. And I do think that uh, it kind of speaks to uh, the difficulty of judging, you know, teams 3 through 15 right now and how good those teams actually are. Yeah, 40 to 1. uh, 1 divided by 41.
0: If you want to look at the implied, not implied, but actually just like the break even. That's 2.4%. So you're just looking from book to book you have a 1.5% uh, difference in the odds. You're not going to see that at the top, um, but you're also, you might see it with Georgia, actually, if you look at the bet online um, and, and, for example, DraftKings. But, you know, they're, they're not huge differences, but, you know, if you do end up hitting on a long shot like that, obviously you want to have 41 40 to 1 in your pocket. Then you want to have 25 to 1. So that, uh, of course, is, is uh, a reason to shop around. But I, I do think, for me, I do think that there's still value in doing this exercise right now, even though we don't know who half the quarter. Like we know who half the quarterbacks are, we don't know who half the starters are going to be right. in all likelihood. Right. Right. Um, you know, uh, it was like three consecutive years at this time of year. Tate Martell was a starter for some team, and Miami starting, yeah. starting for any team. <laughs> so uh, here's a few ones that I, I kind of want to look at um, and, and see what you think. So um, just at the top, Georgia. It, under 11.5, and this was a good bet, by the way, uh, that we, you and I made last year, uh, but it was disappointing in that it takes forever for these things to pay out, but we bet under 11.5 wins for Clemson, um, which ended up being, I think it was like minus 130, minus 135, um, I bet that like right before opening night because I figured, look, they could lose to Georgia. We didn't know Georgia was a huge house at that time. Right, Um And then they did lose to Georgia. But of course, part of the issue with futures, you got to wait months to get your money. But I I do think like you look at some of these, these markets and at least they're starting, in my opinion, to price more, more heavily um, the likelihood that these teams are at least going to drop one game. Right. Um, right. Especially given the college football committee over the last, uh, you know, couple of years has been relatively liberal with who they've allowed in multiple teams. So, you know, you, you look at two years ago. You had Clemson and Notre Dame from the ACC. That was the year that they played the ACC. Both with, well, Clemson had a loss, Notre Dame didn't, right? And then they, and then they, 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 uh, Clemson sort of uh, answered the the first loss with the win in the. A title game last year, of course, you had the two teams from the SEC. I don't think you're ever going to have two Big Ten teams in there, but for these, for the SEC, ACC, depending upon, I think, sort of the the structure of the year, they're they're allowing for a loss or two. And you look at these both of these teams, so Georgia and uh, Alabama on win bet, uh, over eleven and a half for both these teams plus two hundred. So you're basically taking two to one that either team will have a perfect season in the regular season and then under two, uh, 11 and a half is minus 250. Now, 50 cents that's a pretty big big uh that's especially perfect. when you when you when you factor in uh you know that the fact that your money is going to be here from uh May until basically late November. Um but what do you think of those two numbers?
1: Yeah, I don't think you can touch the Georgia one, given, you know, I think the only side for their particular bet is on the under. So I don't really want to lay minus 250. But uh, the over for Alabama, I think we had them right around like 11.2 wins uh, based on all of our simulations. So getting a plus 200 price on them to go over and get that 12th win, I think is maybe just a little bit uh, intriguing, maybe worth a little bit uh, of action here. I, I think that would be probably the only spot that I'd really pick out as far as uh, not necessarily even needing to bet right now but if i had to choose that would probably be the spot that i would gravitate toward because uh, i do think they are uh clearly better than georgia right now given what we know about both teams and i do think that they have you know the offense, offense in place, basically run the table, and I do think that if you agree that there's this pretty drastic separation between those two teams and everybody else, uh, especially in the SEC, I think them finishing with the perfect record during the regular season uh, could be a spot that actually pays off and you know doubles your money then in that scenario.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you're getting two to one, you know, it, you know that that's a loser if they lose in the first five or six weeks, but obviously right. as they sort of get into the later part of the season and, and let's say, you know, again, this is a little bit of strategy. You know, you, you do have to go game by game here. You do have to look at your, at your simulations. I don't, I don't think that there's, if I look at this, we don't uh our, our Yeah. I do think there is value at two to one, right. Our, our mean projection for them is one like point two. Yeah. One so there's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd have to look at, you know, sort of at, at, at the actual, but yeah. So you take plus, you take two to one, right. And, then you know, let's say they get to week seven and they're undefeated. That's that's perfectly viable. They also, I think, you know, have one of those late season games against an FCS team that they always
1: yeah. Have. They got the awesome, they got awesome P basically November nineteenth. So I do yeah. think like the big the big spot for them I think is technically like week two week three uh, with Texas on September tenth because I do think Texas yeah. is a team that uh, the betting market probably likes a little bit more than what you know our simulation right likes right now given what. You know, we talked about previously with, you know, the turnover at quarterback, who they're going to have starting, those sorts of things. But I think that's kind of the spot to circle uh, if you're hesitant about this bet. But outside of that, I mean, uh, you know, they they get Auburn at home, their last game of the season. Uh, there's, you know, George is obviously not on their regular season schedule right now. So if you don't really like, you know, a team like Tennessee, a team like Texas A&M, which is kind of the way that we lean uh, based on our simulation, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, so yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting one. And again, so if they get by Texas, let's say, and again, if they don't, then you basically lost a two to one bet, right? Right. Like that's fine. It happens. But, but if you get, um, you know, and they will be more than I would say against Texas, they'll be laying more than minus 200. So even if you don't feel like you don't feel the greatest about that game, like you could always hedge either with the point spread, right? So the point I was trying to get to is later in the season, you know, Alabama is going to be in games where the point spread is going to be two to three touchdowns, right? And so, yeah, and so if if you're, if, if it gets to the middle of the season and whether you buy your statistics or by our statistics or by just the eye test or whatever, you don't like Alabama to go undefeated, you can probably take the, uh, you you could take their, their opponents with the points every single time, right? And, and even if Alabama squeaks out of those games, you end up winning money on the on the underdog, and if they were to lose outright, then of course you win the money with with taking the underdog on the point spread. Um, you know that's a way. Again, if you like this bet, there there are outs here for you. I, I think Georgia, as you said, you know it's going to be hard to replace. I mean, look, they had what five first round picks all on the defensive right. side of the ball. Their offense is okay. Uh, they have a couple of great tight ends. They lose George Pickens. Uh, they lose James Cook. Um, you know, the, the Zamir White is is great. Um, you know, they're, they're like I don't but I don't think they're gonna be good enough to to sort of be uh, a run the table team. Um speaking of people or a team that people think is, are gonna run the table, um Ohio State over ten and a half is actually the minus two fifty in this one. Uh under ten and a half is two to one. Um th- they're basically saying, look, like Ohio State has has one loss on their schedule. I- I'm interested in this because Ohio State wasn't that good for a lot of times last year. Like when you look at, you know, and obviously they have, you know, they have like a fair uh, amount um, uh, of returning players. CJ Stroud, uh, of course, is, you know, uh, CJ Stroud is of course like coming back um, and and he's going to be great. Um, I, I think though, you know, they just weren't like. It's a team that where it really does get difficult uh, to sustain excellence week to week. Where I'm not saying I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the you know take two to one to go under here, um, but I'm not you know like last year. I mean, you had you had one loss in the regular season. That was to Oregon. Oregon really did sort of beat them up a little bit. Um, and, and and throughout that, you also had you know. Basically, you know, uh, Tulsa gave them a game for a little bit, and right, State right. gave them a game for a little bit. Nebraska gave them a game for a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, then they got rolled by Michigan in the, you know, uh, in, in that game. So actually, they did. They would have gone under this because that was actually not the Big Ten title game. Uh, Michigan played uh, Iowa, Iowa, right? Yeah, Big Ten West cha- uh, champion there. So. Again, like this is one where I'm not saying I would not lay minus 250 for them to go over 10
1: and a half. Yeah, there's there's no way basically right. They do open with basically Notre Dame uh, at home. They also do get Michigan at home to kind of end their regular season. But uh, I agree with you. I do think CJ Stroud, obviously really good, uh, you know, quarterback prospect maybe is going to have to elevate, you know, the wide receiver room just a little bit. They do something, you know, Jackson Smith. Uh, you know, to fill the void with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both leaving. But I I still think there might be, you know, a little bit of, you know, speed bumps early on, especially in that Notre Dame matchup uh, to start the season. They obviously have a couple cup cupcake games after that, but uh, I think, there's there's definitely maybe a loss to be found on their particular schedule so i'm i'm with you i don't i don't really think there's any play but going uh under for them as well it's probably a spot i'm gonna avoid uh and maybe just you know probably fade them on some gain lines if i'm not overly excited about you know news that is coming out for them uh as the kind of break camp but uh i think for now if i was forced to take a side it would definitely be on under for ohio state as well
0: yeah michigan nine and a half under is minus 140. Uh, you know that's one again, Kay McNamara. You know we'll we'll see how much he can grow and evolve. You know quarterbacks for the Wolverines have not really. I mean, you had the Shea Pattersons. You've had you know folks like that that really haven't evolved into the players uh, that necessarily uh, you need to be consistent contenders. Now, of course, they made they were the two seed in the College Bowl playoffs, so they certainly got far last year. Um, but it, but it is telling that their win total is nine and a half and Juiced under there. Uh, no Aiden Hutchinson, uh, no Dax Hill, uh, a few others uh, gone as well. The one that we like a lot, though, Ben, uh, t- talk to me about this one. Tennessee, under eight and a half, fifth uh, a half. Fifth most difficult schedule in college football this year. Um, tough conference. What what do you think about this this bet? I think this is the one we want to put our stamp of approval on.
1: Yeah, we had to put our sample proof on this one, right? I mean, Hendon Hooker just hasn't been a guy that we've been overly excited about. Hasn't really graded exceptionally well at the quarterback position, PFF's grading system. They also have Joel Milton behind him, but uh, I think it's going to be Hooker to start this season. But this is, this is like two games over what our simulation has. Like you said, fifth most difficult schedule uh, playing in the SCC East. have a number of really difficult opponents. I don't really think, uh, you know, they're one kind of, you know, star skill position player, Vilas Jones, who's been, you know, much maligned as the draft pick for the Chicago Bears. Uh, That was kind of their one real source of offense last year, Um, so I'm interested to see how they kind of perform at the wide receiver position, but I think that overall, uh, the market has probably been higher on Tennessee than what they should have been in the past couple years, and I do think that in 2022 especially, uh, they're a spot to definitely fake, because I don't think that Hedden Tucker's probably going to be able to uh, elevate the talent of those around him to the point where they're going to be able to get, you Know, nine wins which is uh, a pretty drastic off-market spot from our current simulation so I think this one probably my favorite college football bet right now and definitely a spot that uh, I'm locking in for sure
0: yeah absolutely um awesome so a couple ones that that we also like here that are that are per our simulation Minnesota to win the Big Ten West at nine to one uh yeah, what absolutely. was the number that we got Iowa at was that like that was ten to one right twelve to one
1: yeah, we also had some. We we did have Michigan uh, last year to win the Big Ten title game on some uh, random like Caesars boost that I bet early on in the season that <laughs> then I kind of forgot about until the week of or something. So that was the Big Ten was actually a really profitable spot for us last year. I do think Minnesota uh, in the Big Ten West this year. It's like. I know you know about this all the time, but Nebraska is just like perennially overrated uh, from the betting market. So they are, they have the second shortest odds uh, to win the Big Ten West, and it's Wisconsin at the top, Nebraska again at two, Purdue at three, Iowa four, and then Minnesota at five. Uh, we're pretty significantly off market on this particular spot as well. Maybe there's something that we're missing, but uh, I think with Tanner Morgan at the helm, uh, you know, they got Otten Bell still. Uh, they, have, they have, you know, it's, it's, it's time for PJ Fleck to roll the ball once more. And I do think that they're finally going to potentially get to that big 10 title game. So nine to one shot. Uh, I, I like this quite a bit. I think is there, is there any reason that uh, you don't like it or is there anything that I might be missing from your perspective?
0: No, I mean, the, they, they always run the ball. Well, I think they play great defense. Uh, I was actually at their facility uh, a couple months ago because I gave a talk to the math department at University of Minnesota about football analytics. And mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, it was really impressive. I think that what they're doing with data uh, is, I, I don't necessarily know, you know, what everybody's doing with data. We're up to 111 college, you know, FCS, FBS, sorry, clients. Um, you know, they, they use our, all use our data in a different amount of ways. Uh, but theirs was certainly impressive. You know, you look at Boye Mafe. Um, you, you know, they've had some, you know, draft, uh, uh, guys like that who have, who have gone, you know, pretty, you know, pretty high in the draft recently. They're certainly producing talent. Um, here's one. And I guess like the cat could be out of the bag here. This might be baked into our numbers. I I was always like vocally anti-Oregon last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Utah to win the PAC 12 at five to one seems reasonable. Um, you know, rising's a good quarterback. Um, you know, they they just have, you know, Tavion Thomas, I still think is there. You could, I could be wrong. Like, but, you know, they they were really good last year. And they were really – and Utah is that kind of team where, you know, us numbers guys, you know, we get sort of a reputation for not liking these kind of teams. But, you know, the a team where they just they just kind of just kicked your out. ass. Right. Yeah, and they it just kind of, of – Yeah, and, and you know, I think it was a disappointing loss to Ohio State in the bowl game. Um, you know, they had a lead there. Uh, they did cover, but it was, they did not win. Um, you know, but, but they also showed in that game that they can sort of go and score with a team like Ohio State. Um, in that Pac-12, like, I think they're just tougher than everybody else, but they also can sort of flank people as well, which is not necessarily a characteristic of Utah that we're used to. So that's another one that I really like.
1: Yeah, um, T- Tavian Thomas is in the fold for Utah this year. So yeah, I mean they have pretty good, you know, quarterback, running back, returning, decent offensive line as well. So I'm with you. My only, my only hesitation with this particular spot is our evaluation of usc right and i think you know you said it already i kind of mentioned it previously but they're a spot where we are maybe just a little bit lower than the market if we are wrong on that they're going to be the team in the Pac-12 that ends up winning it i would say so uh this it feels like maybe it's setting up something like the los angeles rams for the in the nfl season last year uh where we maybe just you know missed on a little bit that could be usc in 2022 but if it's not i do think utah makes you know a ton of sense to win the pac 12.
0: yeah all right, this podcast sponsored by sunday does your lawn have weeds bear patches or pet spot i think i'm three for three on this by the way um i caved i got pets i caved i got a house uh so you're gonna be dealing with all this sunday can help you solve all these problems and more the easy way they got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control and it's all delivered right to your door by the way I think you know, the delivery person should be more gregarious about it. I, I think the, the, the biggest thing about lawn care is not the health uh, of, the, of the grass. It's the uh, esteem that you gain uh, from, from having a great lawn. So make sure that everybody knows that you're getting uh, delivered Sunday here. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals. Their custom plans include fertilizer and everything you need to easily care for your lawn You can feel good with kids and pets being around. Uh, Just attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. Takes less than 15 minutes. So it's even like the the length uh, of a USFL uh, halftime show uh, there to to take care of your lawn. Uh, And Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at $129. You get 20% off at check down when you get uh, when you visit GetSunday.com slash forecast. That's 20% off your custom plan at GetSunday.com backslash forecast. Um, awesome. Okay, so let's move on to a little bit of NFL talk before we finish with some best bets for the week uh, on the USFL uh, and maybe even some uh, a little bit of a sprinkle on the WNBA. Um, there have been some values we've gotten this offseason. Uh, the biggest one I'll say is... We got you know, and this is important as you know, folks listen to our show, and try to get better at betting. I know you know not everybody listens to the show to bet, but this does have you know just being able to follow the markets. I think analytics you know gets you know, in the in the simplest terms, analytics can help us um, under analytics can help us better understand expectations for every team, and that's where you know, and we're getting a, a decent amount of flack for telling Jets fans that their draft was not an A plus um you know uh, they're feeling themselves right now and maybe they should be i you know they did draft some pretty good players in the top 10 Uh you can debate you know their their second two top picks um but but you know uh, the you know to face facts i mean their win totals five and a half they're 18 to 1 to win their own division they're, they it's it's going to be a while in all likelihood um before they're good uh, again but um you know i i, I think you know, it's good to see how expectations have changed. The one that has changed the most, um, you know, Chargers were basically, what, plus 425 to win the division uh, on the AFC care. West. They are now, and behind Denver. And I think there was a realistic reason why they're behind Denver. They were behind Denver in large part because Denver had an easier schedule. And and I think people talked themselves out of almost all of Russell Wilson's warts. I think now that they're basically plus 250 and on par with Denver, yeah, it's for a couple reasons. I think they're not as good defensively as Denver is. Right. But but Kansas City, the team that sort of gives them the bugaboo every year, is not as good offensively. Right. So in that, like, sort of one-to-one matchup, they probably could do better. Whereas I think Denver has always given the Chiefs fits on defense. It's always been that sort of, like, I mean, you think about the two matchups last year. It was, like, 23-9. It was one of the best unders in in the history of the world. Uh, that Sunday night game George and I had as the lock of the week. And then you had that Saturday game to end the year, week 18, where they needed a Nick Bolton uh, fumble return and some luck, I think, to beat Drew Locke and the Broncos. Like, they've always, like, kind of had the defense and the squirreliness to mess around with the Chiefs, even though they haven't beaten them since 2015. Um, Whereas the Chargers sort of on a, um, on a very, um, you know, sort of, the Chargers are sort of a weaker version of the Chiefs. And I think As the Chiefs got weaker, like, I think people looked at the Chargers and said, okay, maybe they're more on par, and they scooted those odds up as the Chiefs traded Tyree Kill.
1: Yeah, I do think, and I also think there's, like, this assumption that, uh, you know, Brandon Staley's basically going to be able to overhaul this defense in the second year. That's kind of his, you know, was his MO coming up as the defensive coordinator. They obviously got, the you know, the splashy free agent signing with J.C. Jackson. So I do think that's kind of, you know, projecting out with the betting market an expectation that the defensively they should be a lot better and like you said Kansas City probably uh isn't going to be you know as as much of a as much of a top unit as they were uh in prior years maybe Tyreek Hill matters a little bit more uh maybe it's not as seamless you know filling in, you know, a bunch of guys to handle uh a lot of those targets in the in the in the absence of, you know, Tyreek Hill, uh but I think, you know, at plus 250 I'm definitely not betting it cuz, you know, we probably got a little bit of an off market number with Caesars them being late to uh move down on uh the Los Angeles Chargers after they're kind of, you know, what what most would consider a pretty big hit from a free agent class. So, uh I think that they still make a lot of sense to win uh the AFC West, but I don't know what if you had to bet a team to win the AFC West right now, given the current odds, uh, who would you be on? I guess is the real question.
0: Yeah, and and just to be upfront, I have a four a plus four hundred ticket on on we do uh, on on the Chargers. Like I'm not, I'm not going to buy back into that. I, right. I would take Kansas City at plus one sixty one seventy uh, right now. I think we more make it around uh, forty five, you know, forty five percent or so. So I would take the Chiefs if I take any. I'm actually not going – this is the second year I'm not betting Kansas City futures because, to me, I think – especially the hard part is is right now with the Chiefs, like, all all the benefits that they have, I think, are long-term. Like, I wouldn't bet them over ten and a half. I wouldn't bet them to make the playoffs, obviously. I think that's, like, minus 250 or something. I wouldn't bet them to win the AFC West if I bet anything now, it'd be like to win the AFC or to win the Super Bowl. And even then, I think that those aren't valued right now. I I think that the Chiefs are are, are in a combination of being overvalued right now and are – but they're – I think the market has correctly pegged that they're not as strong as they used to be. But I still think they're overvalued, Uh, especially the way that I see them, which is I think that they're a classic candidate this year to sort of – Make the playoffs as a five C that no one is thinking about and make a
1: run. Get hot. Yeah. I yeah, mean that's but- that's gotta be the hope, right? Cause I do think, you know, even last year with with Tyree Kill, like Patrick Mahomes just didn't look, I would say anywhere close to as dominant every single play like he has yeah. uh in, in previous seasons, right? And I think that is probably uh, what's creeping in that sort of, you know, uh, recency bias for how well he actually played, especially, you know, in the mid part of uh, of last season. I do think that's creeping into a lot of people's mentality. So I would say uh, I might be a little bit opposite. I do think that uh, I think they might be almost, not necessarily undervalued, but uh, I think they might be a, getting to the point where they could almost be a buying spot, but it, it, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to back, I guess their futures when you are betting them almost every week, which is probably, probably what's going to happen again this year. So we'll see. But.
0: Look, if, if they come out and look, I, I love the team. It's my favorite team. If they come out right. and they, so they go, they start apparently with Houston at home and then at, uh, against the, no, sorry, Houston in Houston and then, and then home to the Chargers on Thursday Night football, they get a mini buy and then there's, a chance they're going to go to Indianapolis—a game I kind of want to go to because it's only a large way. I mean, you squint there, and that could be a three-and-zero start, and then you're already wrong, right? And yeah. and and but they still have the toughest schedule in the league. Like they have a, every game that they have is an, on average a point harder than the average schedule uh, of, of games is for an average team. So you're almost never going to be right. And in my opinion. Like let's say they go ten and seven. Let's say they go, you know, they make the five or six seed in the AFC. You're going to get better than their current number at nine and a half, you know, uh, 18, 19 to two right. or whatever it is. Right. So you're you're not going to. I just don't think that they're a bettable team. Like I just right. think the market is so hot on them. Even even if they've cooled down um, to the point where uh, they're just not a team I want to touch, but they are, in my opinion proper Maybe a little underrated in the AFC West specifically, but not enough to make a bet. The other ones that we have, and again, this is this will tell you what you need to know. We we took the Tom, we took the Bucks at plus one twenty to win the NFC South. That was right before you know that Brady. was with the grumblings of Brady. We took the Packers at minus one sixty to win the NFC North. That was you know kind of when there was uncertainty about Rogers. Um, the big one that I took today this, this week. Uh, plus 407. I took Detroit to make the NFC playoffs.
1: There we go. There we um,
0: go. <laughs> I, and then I took a no on the Raiders to make uh, the playoffs. Just A, it was minus 250. I'll lay minus 250. To, I'll pay to see the, the Raiders make the playoffs this year, to be quite honest with you. Um, but the, the, the Detroit one's interesting, right? When you look at their schedule, you know, they, in the NFL now, you get three sort of games that are reflective of how you finished the year before. You and, and their last place teams, and this year I believe it's Seattle, Carolina, and uh, Jacksonville. In your own division, you have the the Vikings who could go either way. Right. Um, you know they traditionally really haunted the Lions, but last year the Lions beat them and you know covered in both games. You have Chicago, who I think are going to be horrid, and you have uh, you had uh, a Green Bay team that like. You know, it's pretty good. Obviously, thirteen wins consecutive, you know, three consecutive years. But like, you know, there's a lot of it, there's a lot of changes going on there. Right. So, you know, Dan Campbell got that team to play hard last year. Um, I really think that he'll continue to do so. Jared Goff is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. Maybe even like a four. Like he's a middle of the pack quarterback. But you look at that offense. You have a first round pick at left tackle, a first round pick at right tackle, first round pick at center a first round pick at tight end, uh a first round pick at wide receiver, free agency guy in chart, uh Aramon St. Brown, DeAndre Swift. Like that offense is like that offense going to have to try pretty hard to be bad against the right.
1: schedule. Right. I would right. agree. And, and not only like the three games that you uh, mentioned but they also face the NFC East and the AFC East so they get, you know, like the Washington Commanders, New York Giants, those sorts of teams as well. So I think if they beat Chicago twice, if they can beat Chicago twice and potentially even go, you know, one and three against uh, the Packers and Vikings, given their schedule, they could still be uh, in the thick of things in the NFC, uh, you know, in the NFC playoff race, I would say, because I do think they's just a ton of bad teams. So I, I like that one quite a bit. I think it it almost reminds me probably of my worst bet all season. I did bet really early on uh, the Bears to win the NFC North at plus mm-hmm. 650. Obviously, they've gone in the complete opposite direction uh, since then, but I do think the Lions make a ton of sense. It's almost that. Uh, emerging filler team that could uh, surprise a lot of people in the NFC North, especially if that co- especially if that division's down, uh, given their you know strength of schedule and everything else. I think that is you know my favorite bet probably as well that you mentioned. So I would definitely, I definitely uh, might be adding to our tally on that one a little bit after this. So
0: the, the the thing is, is like again, you look at the NFC, who's making the playoffs in the NFC? Right. Right. Yeah, you know, like, Minnesota, and again, like, you know, you you and I both grew up rooting for the Vikings, and, like, you know, we, we've seen this song and dance a million times. Uh, you know, they they replaced Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman with Kevin O'Connell and Cuesi Adapo Mensa but, like, I, I, it's not clear that Cuesi Adapo is better than Rick Spielman. In fact, right. I, he made a lot of, like, Minnesota drafted it's the most players and yeah, had the I mean, most trades right. during the, the five years preceding uh, Rick Spielman's firing. So it's not that Quincy threw, I think, a lot of good trades last couple weeks. and It's not like he's doing anything that Spielman didn't. Right? Right. right? And and so it's all about you know whether or not they draft good players, which is mostly a roll of the dice at every single pick. And then they obviously opted into Kirk Cousins, and we know the limitations in that approach. He was 17th last year in wins above replacement for dollar spent. And so when you're average at the quarterback position relative to cost, you have to be – a plus team everywhere else including coaching and right. last couple of years you know, Zimmer I think has you know his, his defensive prowess fell off but their defensive talent fell off a lot
1: right I mean it got old really quickly right and now right. you're dealing with like Harrison Smith in the back end uh, and everything else but yeah I, I agree with I, you I 100% I,
0: I don't think it's a lock that Kevin O'Connell is going to be better like Kevin O'Connell has been a play call in the NFL before and right. the results were not great and, right. and you know Ed Donatel's been a defensive coordinator of the NFL, and it's not been as good as Mike Zimmer. So, like, right. and I know Zimmer fell off a little bit, but this talent level is not, I mean, they're basically... It's not where it was in
1: 18 or, you know, even 17 in some ways, right, outside yeah. of the quarterback position, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, other than are that... Are they like, more
0: talented than Detroit? Yeah. But are they, you know, when you look at the win totals, are right. they two and a half games more talented than Detroit? I don't Probably think so. So, not.
1: Probably not. So, yeah. so that,
0: that, that's kind of... Those are the kind of gambles you want to be able right. to make and then... It,
1: I think, yeah, and like what you said, like who is going to make the playoffs in the NFC? And I do think everyone's just defaulting to Minnesota, but that probably leaves a lot of opportunities for, like you said, Detroit. Uh, And also I know you're not as maybe on board with them. uh, And they have become probably more popular uh, than what I would have even wanted to now. But the Eagles, I do think makes a ton of sense to both make the playoffs and to win the NFC East. They've dropped Uh, both pretty considerably after the draft, given the A.J. Brown situation. But they're still a team that I probably have, you know, our most exposure to in the futures market right now, not adding to it uh, whatsoever. But they're a team that I uh, am curious to get your thoughts on as well.
0: Yeah, the Eagles are really well-run. I mean, they're not perfect. I think it's interesting where people will try to tell you, you know, when they defend the trade-ups, they're like, well, the Eagles know when to trade up. It's like, well, did they know when to trade up with Andre Dillard? Because that one... That one sure went really well, so, but they're not so they're not perfect. But right. they, you know, they're they're a talented team. I mean, I think they're doing it exactly how we would do it broadly if we were in their situation. Like you had a quarterback on a big deal who was not good enough. You moved on from him. You wrote off the the cost. You actually got a lot of return for him because right. you decided earlier than like let's say the Colts did <laughs> to give. You rid made of the him. right
1: decision right away, right? Which you is a like right pretty key right fact. Away.
0: Right. And, and and Hertz, you know, Hurts was the most valuable quarterback in the NFL last year, you know, if you look at wins above replacement, per dollar spent. Of course, we don't right. think he's the best quarterback in the league, but per dollar spent, you're getting as good a value there. So then you can, you have so much more, you, you have houses, money to spend on the rest of the right. roster. And last year, it wasn't a great roster. I mean, I bet under them because I thought that, you know, Kevin Gannon wasn't necessarily a proven commodity, and Nick Cerrone wasn't. And early on, that made sense. They had one of the, like, right. the least... Uh, what I would like you know, through KPIs and stuff. One of the least, uh, what I would say is like uh, imaginative defenses out there, and then you know, and then on offense they really had to change and 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 go with Hertz's strengths. Now the question then becomes: They get AJ Brown, you know, Devontae Smith's a year older. Do they try to test out Hertz? Do they try to say, look, you know, you can we can win ten games with you running the ball thirteen times? but if you're going to be the quarterback for this team long term, you're going to have right. to be a drop back passer. If they do that, they might struggle more than we think. If they just if they say, look, Jalen Hurts is a four-year quarterback for this team and then we're going to move on, then I think they'll have, weirdly, have more success this year than they would if they essentially use this year as a trial period for him. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: like, yeah. I mean, well, th- you're basically saying, like, their ceiling isn't anywhere close to what it would be if they just turned Hertz loose and found out what he was actually capable of, right? But uh, their, floor is, is- their, their floor is substantially higher in that situation than is basically what it comes down to, right? Yeah, they're,
0: they're, if, you, if you make Hertz a... If you do what you did with Hertz in the second half of the season, your floor is pretty high especially right. given the talent around you. But your ceiling's really low because, you know, you and the Ravens have shown us this, and they've shown us this with the best version of this quarterback in the Lamar Jackson. Um, but, like, but they showed us this, as, you know, with, you know, uh, if you don't develop the guy as a drop-back passer, then you, you are limited because the truly great teams in the league have great drop-back passers. In a weak NFC with, you know, where you're maybe the sixth-best team, Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I would do. I would, I, in, in my opinion, I try to find out in other ways if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback right. than, than on the field type of stuff. And then I would make a decision. But they very clearly sold a first round pick this year so that they could have ammo next year. So I, I'm, I'm on board with this idea that they know who Jalen Hurts is and they're going to play a strategy to optimize him in the next two years and then move on later, in which case, right. the over for the Eagles is probably a good play. Um, And again, it's who's going to make the playoffs in this conference? I mean, there's basically a 50-50 chance Dallas is kind of who they were last year, which is the class of that division and an unquestioned playoff team. You know, Rams are probably that. Tampa's probably that. And Green Bay's probably that. And then from there, like the Niners, every single year, the Niners either lose 10 games or they make the NFC Championship. That's how it's been for a decade. It's every other.
1: It's every other. And this is yeah. the other year, basically. Right? Yeah, so. and
0: Arizona, you know, and then Trey Lance is, is certainly the guy there uh, who, who's going to have to answer all the questions. Um, the, you know, the Cardinals, I think, were the most fraudulent 11-win team we've seen in a long time right. last year. We'll, we'll see if they can emerge, but losing Hopkins for six weeks certainly doesn't help them. Uh, Seattle stinks. And you look at the NFC North, you know, Minnesota, Detroit, and, and Chicago all stink. Um, right. and, and the NFC East, Washington, and, and New York Giants thing. And, right. and the NFC South is the worst, is is worse than all three of the divisions yeah. we already Right. It's the worst I
1: division mean, of football, right, outside of Tom Brady. So it's, yeah. it's so, it is great. I mean, the, the thing is, like, people are legitimately talking themselves into betting Washington and the New York Giants to make the playoffs this year, which is just like, you know, yeah. mind blowing in a lot of ways, right? So it's, and it's, I
0: wonder like, if you bet, if you bet either or, I right. wonder if you bet either or, could you get that to actually work? Um, Right. You know that that's uh, you know that uh, that
1: would require the Eagles. I would say falling off, and the Dallas being absolutely horrid. I would say in some ways, but uh, it could feasibly happen. I don't know. It's it is crazy because there's, there's really it's really hard to find six or seven playoff teams in the NFC right now. So
0: yeah, yeah. So so in that way, I think a team like Detroit, where where I think they're being undervalued, basically you know at plus four oh seven, you're you're saying they don't have a, a greater than twenty percent chance to make the playoffs. I reject that. Notion soundly. Um, okay. All right. Right now, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use the code forecast. Look, we're, we're it, it's, it's not necessarily heavy football time right now, but it's going to become heavy football time pretty soon here. Uh, and, and what can you get with a PFF subscription? All PFFs locked article content. So great work by people like Sam Monson, Kevin Cole, Timo Riske, Ben Brown, uh, uh, Trevor Sykema. Uh, Austin Gale, everybody there uh that, that produces great football content. Anthony Tresh, if you love college football, Ben Lindsay, one of the better up-and-coming writers we have. Uh, all those people, you can get access to their content. Fantasy football rankings and projections coming soon. That's you know, Ben, you know, Nathan Yankee, one of the most uh accurate projectors we have in the industry. Uh and data and grades from the entire 2021 season and upcoming 2022 season. Support the pod and use the promo code forecast for 25% off. Any sub. All right, so, Stone, we talked for a solid 45 here about real football, college football, NFL football. Um, let's indulge just for a little bit while, while uh, you know, George is out of town here. Let's indulge a little bit in, in the United States Football League. I got to say that. Real first, Football League. Yeah, first week and last, like, first week and week four last week, we were, we were winners in that league. The middle two weeks were a bloodbath. I, for me, it was it was the most frustrating thing. and It was emblematic in a game that we actually won, which was the Sunday afternoon game, uh, New Orleans versus the New Jersey Generals, or no, the Houston Gamblers, sorry. Right. And a game where, you know, early in the week, we laid three and a half with the New Orleans Breakers. Kyle Sloter, best quarterback probably in the league. Uh, game closed at six and a half. And I, I can tell you, right, and money line, I laid minus 190. It closed at minus 280. And, and I tweeted this out. I said, look, uh, today you're going to get to find out what laying minus 190 and, and and seeing a game close minus 280 in a football game and still losing fields because mm-hmm. you don't get that in the NFL, right? You just don't get these huge line movements in the NFL because of how efficient the league is. Right. This league's four years old, right? So th- this entire season had, and I think we're doing a pretty good job handicapping it. The we're almost always getting closing line value on our plays. Uh, especially totals. Almost every single total dies by the end of the week. Last week it was weird because they changed a rule in the middle of the week to allow for uh, even more
1: time uh, off the clock, basically. Right? First, clock, first and third quarter. First and yeah. third
0: quarter, even on incompletion. So you saw every total go down by two. And, and so, But in the New Orleans Breakers game, what we ended up getting was a in a situation where Kyle Slater had about 15 seconds left and no timeouts, uh, instead of lining up for a field goal on third down, they threw the ball in the end zone. It was caught for it a touchdown. Did. They covered not only the three and a half, but despite me, they covered all the people who laid the six and a half uh, at the end and got the worst of it. Uh, the total landed 39. We had, I think a bunch of under 42 and a bunch of over thirty eights. So that felt really good, but it was emblematic of a, of a, of a league where a lot of weird shit's happening. Right. Um, and so, uh, as we enter week five, by the way, week five is when the XFL, that's how far the XFL got a couple of years ago. So uh, we're taking nothing for granted here.
1: Um, Cash those over bets on it surviving longer than the you know, yeah, the XFL, Exactly. So.
0: exactly. Um, so here we have a few games. I just want to focus maybe on um, the, the one that I bet the most on here. Um, this is the Houston Gamblers. So this is the Sunday afternoon game at 4 p.m. Eastern. The Houston Gamblers are laying five and a half. Uh, total on this game is a healthy 34 points. Um, I bet, I bet favorite, I bet under here um, pretty heavily. Uh, you know, we have seen a little bit of movement towards Houston. We have not seen um, any movement on the total. Uh, we have most of the time the movements in these markets have been late week because the limits have gone up. Um, but these have sort of stayed pat at, uh, as where they opened on Monday. What do you think of this game? the Maulers and the Gamblers the two worst offenses in the league by EPA yeah. uh, but also uh i think there's a gap between these two teams even though it's, they're both the two worst
1: yeah it's it's a complete privilege to watch this game sunday afternoon cuz it's going to be a complete bloodbath but like you said i think you know uh you know pittsburgh overall just seems overmatched no real semblance of offensive production worst unit in the worst unit in the USFL uh they just they can't move the ball effectively they did cover last week uh, got that, you know, end of the first half drive for a touchdown. Really, their only their only touchdown uh, last week Did get two field goals as well. But they just don't move the ball well enough to compete with any other team in the USFL, which is kind of sad to say. So I'm with you on Houston hasn't moved uh, a ton in our direction. But I do think that they are definitely uh, the correct side. Um, maybe maybe, you know, laying that many points and going under still makes me a little bit nervous. But I do think that you probably hit on the correct side for both those.
0: Yeah, that, that one, uh, you know, so the Pittsburgh Ballers quarterback is one, Kyle Laletta. He was drafted in the first round, got beat out, but then has since gone in. Uh, Kirby Wilson, I mean, there isn't a, a part of being a head coach in, in football that he has mastered.
1: Yeah, it he's looks Charlie comfortable doing that, for sure. Yeah, yeah
0: for He's sure. terrible at the clock. Um, there was an instance... And again, this is where, like, look. And Sam Swartzine, one of my one of my good friends in the industry, ran the, the the rules for the XFL. I thought was doing a great job. Anybody that's going to start a league, you need good coaching. Like, you can't right. just have Todd Haley's in the world because they were bad. At they were well, that, and and Haley wasn't that bad, but like they were just a failed version of of the thing we're trying to change right now. Which
1: exactly. Is
0: coaches don't know how to handle the clock. They don't know how to handle fourth downs. Do not. There's been a lot of over fifty-five yard field goals kicked in this league when a, kickers can't make twenty-five yards. Right. Yeah. And it's just like you're giving up field position. And what I love about these leagues, and again, this is this this is what George rolls his eyes at because he's, you know, George loves football, but not in the same way I do. The thing I love about this league is it's a throwback to the games that were played previously. The quarterbacks don't matter as much because they all suck. And the running backs matter more because you have to be able to run the ball. And every running back in the league is good, right? Not every left tackle in this league is good, but every running back in this league is good. And field position matters, right? When Patrick Mahomes and and Justin Herbert are the two quarterbacks, field position doesn't matter, right? When your quarterbacks are Clayton Thorson and Kyle Lalletta, the field position matters. And if you're kicking 55-yard field goals, it's really a dumb decision. Okay. Yeah.
1: You hit uh, on a really interesting, yeah, you hit on the good point. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with all of it, to be honest with you, because it does make so much sense where the league is currently at and where it's probably headed, so.
0: Yeah, so here's another one that I really like, and this is one where, uh, again, to kind of get a, an eye into sort of how Ben and I bet, this one is on Saturday at 3 o'clock. The New Orleans Breakers against the New Jersey Generals, um, total on the game is 36 and a half. The Generals are, are three-point underdogs. Again, no home field advantage in this league, except for maybe the Birmingham Stallions, who – that, that every game is played in Birmingham, Same and though. usually no one goes to these games except for the Birmingham game. There's like a thousand people that show up and they cheer for Birmingham, so there's a little bit of home field advantage. Um, this game came out; the the number was two. It, it was Breakers minus two, and uh, we made the game one. And I looked at, I, I sent you in the Slack chat. I said, look, um, I think we should bet this game, but let's wait till it gets to three. Um, the reason being is, you know, the breakers kind of did everything last week that bettors love. They outgained their opponent by a shit ton. They they were efficient. Their defense was amazing. Like, uh, the Houston Gamblers running back went from, like, a 150-yard game to, like, having 12 carries for eight yards. New Orleans dominated Houston and barely won It barely covered. Right. And usually there's value on backing that team the next week because everybody remembers the results. Now, betting markets are sharper than that, I think. New Jersey is actually the best offense in this league, and they do it by running the ball, interestingly. Um, uh, they do it by running the football. They they have two quarterbacks, Luis Perez and DeAndre Johnson, that they rotate. And weirdly, like, they're both pretty good at what they do. Right, um, right. But it's a slower type of game. So interestingly, I, I, like, I like New Jersey plus three here, even though I do like the breakers long term. I like New Jersey in the futures market as well because they're the best team in the bad conference. Right, uh, right. You know, the Breakers and the uh, Stallions, the two best teams in the league, both playing in another conference. Like, New Jersey... I mean, basically, New Jersey's on the way to be playing, you know, Case Cookus and the Philadelphia Stars in the championship. Exactly. Uh, so they got... Yeah. To yeah. get to there
1: so i do th- i do think they are buying the futures market i do kind of agree with you uh, we basically have them both as the two best offenses uh according to pff grading as a unit so breakers are actually first by just a little bit generals are second i do think uh like you said breakers and generals both really good from a rushing perspective as well i do think new orleans has probably the best wide receiver did win us uh you know that game like you mentioned last week jonathan adams I'm i'm buying his jersey so it does pain me uh to go against new orleans this week but i'm with you i think plus three is just a little bit too much for the generals. so i like it i like it so
0: yeah yeah so that one i would take and honestly like so this is the tricky one New Orleans and New Jersey both have great, good offenses in this league. Good offenses right. in this league. And as such, you see the total of 36 and a half. Every single, every single New Orleans game has gone under the opening total. And, and I think last week you could you could make, like, I think it did close at 39 and a half. So technically, all their games have gone under. Even though Kyle Sloter has made throws that he's needed to make, they're a very slow they're a very run-run-pass offense, which has, you know, fat... It has the fat tail that I don't like when I'm betting an over. But furthermore, the New Jersey Generals run the ball a lot. Like, in the first right. game of the season, they ran the ball 24 consecutive plays. So, even though both teams are good on offense, they're slow on offense. And it's sort of like that Philip Rivers, like, uh, Los Angeles Charters, 2018, where they're a good offense, but they play like 20 fewer plays than the average team, or whatever. And you, and unders were such a send in that league in, right. in that uh, time period. So I'll take under 36 and a half in this game. In addition to plus three, if you have a book that will let you parlay those, I, I do think that there is tease value. Them up. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know if you tease a total, but uh, in this league, I you know obviously we don't have enough data to know you shouldn't tease totals in a normal football league, but the the plus three under 36 and a half is something that I don't mind at all. Uh, the, the other two games, they're, they're kind of throwaways. The, the uh, Friday night game, 8 p.m., Michigan Panthers coached by Jeff Fisher. They're two-point underdogs against Tampa Bay, coached by Todd Haley. Uh, you know, that's – if you want, you know, bottom feeder head coaches from the 2012 season, uh, you know, for, for $100, Alex, that that's that that's a game.
1: And- Enjoy a Friday night in that yeah, one. the, that's for the sure, total so. the
0: total is thirty three and a half. Jordan Tiamu is the quarterback for the Bandits. Uh, Shea Patterson, I believe, uh, if, if Paxton Lynch is and healthy, will be the quarterback for the Michigan Panthers. I, I, you know, I, I don't really want to touch this game at all. Thirty three and I, a half, too low. I, I,
1: I can't. I can't stomach back in the bandits after last Sunday's performance no, base or last Saturday right. night's performance base. So that was. I think. Yeah. I think if we didn't get the New Orleans Breakers through the back door last week, I probably would have quit betting USFL. But thankfully, uh, we can continue because that was that yeah. was one of the more painful uh, well, let, bets let, I've experienced quite some time. Let's so. actually
0: close on that because it does it does it does prevent it, provide a story uh, for what it's like to bet sports because. <laughs> In my opinion, betting sports is about getting the best of it, and betting sports is also. And I was actually talking to one of my friends who works uh, in the NFL uh, a couple of days ago. We were talking about you uh, wanted a reference or something, and uh, and we were and we were chatting about sports betting because obviously somebody who works in the NFL can't bet sports. Um, but I, I said, well, you you have to have the temperament of a sports bettor, right? Like there are weeks where you sort of um, you you know you have weeks where you sort of like you do, you get the best of it, right? right. And things just don't work out, and that's that's kind of how uh, the the world works. So in this game, uh, so it was the Birmingham Stallions versus Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay um, was five, you know, four point underdogs at the at the apex. Um, th- there were reports that Jamar Smith, who has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league, had COVID and wasn't going to play. Then there was the the sort of report that he was. Uh, uh, released to play, but we found, But then it, it, they started as backup, who is not a very good quarterback. And so there were books that had stray plus fours. And then there were books that had, you know, most books were painting at minus two and a half.
1: Two and a half, yeah.
0: And so we had a big position on plus four and a ton of different books. And, and, and we sprinkled a bunch of minus two and a half. So essentially, if the game landed three, we would have made a lot of money. And... Right it was 13-10 13-10 after a missed field goal by both teams. So we, we got lucky and then we got unlucky in a in a stretch of time. And um, instead of punting and pinning this team deep, uh, the Tampa Bay Bandits coached by Todd Haley uh, kicked like a you know, kicked a pretty long field goal to try to tie the game. And of course it doesn't go in because it's a USFL kicker. If you're right. any good to be in the NFL. And it left just enough time for the stallions to bleed a bunch of time, but not enough—not enough—not
1: enough to bleed not it all out. Right?
0: <laughs> and so, and and so they get inside the ten. They get three plays. It was like a two.
1: What was it like two minutes or just hit the two-minute yeah. warning when they got and, inside and, the ten-yard line? Or something. And Haley
0: like kind of messed up his timeout structure too. Like he of let course. the first like forty seconds go off, and then called two times. He let. They had first down inside the two-minute warning, and he let the 40 seconds go off after first down and then took timeouts on second and third down, yeah. which you should always let it go. You should always go timeout, timeout, and then make the other offense make a decision. And usually that decision will be running the ball because they want to take the 40 seconds off. But if they decide to throw, you you get preserved, right? You get time preserved and all that kind of stuff. So it was a stupid decision. And, of course, Birmingham kicks a field goal, wins by six, and we lose, you know, probably 60% of our bets. And win the other 40, which was a small loss, but it could have ended up being a huge win. And, right. you know, I'm walking around, and I'm just like pissed off. But it's like, again, you got the best of it, right? You you got a, a great amount of money on an outcome that in this league with such low totals uh, was, was relatively, you know. It was live. Good. It
1: was live, basically, the whole game, right? Yeah. Even like 10-10 at halftime or whatever, it was like yeah. setting up really well uh, if we could have gotten to what i think you said 21 18 we would hit like both middles on the spread yeah and we had a on the total like yeah wasn't,
0: yeah we, we we a small loss we paid the big on the total but yeah so th- that's life of betting and, and of course you know uh you and i bet together so it's sort of fun to do this on the show george and i don't don't bet together but we we bet on a lot of the same things so uh that's a dynamic that's that's inherent in the show as well so um this was fun ben hopefully we can do this again uh, I'm glad, uh, you know, thank you to George for allowing us to do this without him. I think this is the first time that one of us, I think I think George hosted the show with Nora Princiati for half the show after I had to leave, but this is the first full show where we have one of us and not the other one of us. Um, we're gonna go ahead uh, and and we'll be back on, on Sunday uh, with me and George, but Ben, thank you. Thank you a lot for joining us.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Forecast.
0: All right, and, and so, uh, We'll we'll be back on Sunday. Uh, Stay classy, uh, stay classy America.